Well, hey, as we turn and kind of look up a little bit, thank you all of you for sharing. I know there's many more I'm sure that, that could be shared and feel free to email in those things or even share them amongst yourselves because again, it builds our faith uh, when we do that. Uh, but this weekend, we're gonna transition. We're gonna talk about living on mission. Living on mission. Um, and that is, uh, I guess you could, you could say it involves uh, a local outreach. It involves global outreach, if you want to use churchy words. Uh, it involves evangelism, uh, all of those things. But I just like to call it living on mission. I think uh, it summarizes it. You notice I didn't say missions uh, because I believe the Word of God teaches there's one mission. God is on a mission, and, and we're going to talk about that. And so, um, so we're going to look at that. And uh, uh, I believe that mission, uh, John Piper said this, uh, mission exists. Oh, wow, got a John Piper fan. Okay. Uh, mission exists because worship does not. Think about it. Mission exists because worship does not. While there are pockets in the world or across the street that don't know the goodness of God and aren't worshiping him, Therefore, mission exists. Does that make sense? When everyone knows God, when everyone is, when worship is, is when the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters, mission will no longer exist as we know it. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a mission that every people, that every nation, that every person on the earth would know the goodness of God and worship him. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. Uh, but before we jump into what it is, I want to just to share with you something I feel like the Lord wants somebody in, maybe more than one person in here to hear, and that is what it's not. Mission is not a repaying of our debt to God. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, in my life anyway, and maybe you're the same way, I've kind of, there's been seasons in my life or growing up in the church or whatever where I kind of thought like, you know, oh, it's so good to bask in the, in the goodness of God, and wow, he loves me, and oh, man, he's speaking, you know, how much he cares for me and my identity, and then it's like, eh, 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 alarm goes off, and it's like, oh, time to get to work, you know, quit being so selfish, and get out there and, you know, help other people know God. I don't believe that God is saying, hey, get off your backside, stop being so lazy, and get with the program. It's not a too good to be true kind of a deal, right? We've all bought a product or, you know, something where it's like, oh, it sounds so great. But then it's like, ooh, you know, there was a bait and switch. God is saying, my love for you is everlasting. I will never get tired of blessing you. I will never get tired of loving you. I will never get tired of speaking value in your life. I will never get tired of celebrating you as my son or daughter. And it's not this whole, okay, haven't you had enough already? Come on. Join me on the, you know, in the salt mines. That's not what living on mission is. And I believe that God very much is passionate that we understand that, that we hear that, because if we don't, it's going to pollute everything that we do with the Lord or for God. We can, how many of you guys know? There's a lot of people trying to do a lot of stuff for God, and they come to the door, do, 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 hey, do you know where, if you die tonight? You know, and I'm not, I'm not slamming any particular approach. I believe God can use door-to-door to bring people into heaven. But sometimes, you know, that, that kind of, if you've ever kind of sensed or smelled that sense of somebody trying to earn points with God and trying to gain a notch on their belt or trying to do a good deal, and it just kind of like, ooh, right? Like it just is a put-off. And I think people in the world can even sense, like, man, you're not, you're not coming here out of the overflow of the creator of the universe and the glory of God and wanting to invite me into something so amazing. You're kind of trying to like earn something. And that's not what God wants, guys. So when we talk about living on mission, um, I don't think it's possible to get excited with Jesus about what he's inviting us into if we don't have it very clear 
that he's not looking at you or me saying, you're so lazy, get off your backside, come on. It's something much, much more glorious than that that he's calling us into. Is that cool? Okay, so what it is, three things I want to share with you, and then we're actually going to share with you. We have some folks in our body that God has been moving and stirring uh, to head up some opportunities to respond to this word. There may be other things that God is putting in your heart throughout this process that have nothing to do with, with some of the things that we'll be sharing, and that's amazing too. We just want you to hear God, be obedient to him, and take a step in what he's calling us to do to live on mission. But a couple of thoughts on what it is. I believe first and foremost, it's obeying a direct command from the king. Living on mission is obeying a direct command from the king. Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, and the NIV says this. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, right before he was taken to heaven, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations. We're going to come back to that piece, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Um, Jesus, the King of Kings, gave a command, right? So I don't want, I don't want to like, you know, muddy the waters. Like, yes, the King of Kings issued a command. Hey, Go do this, guys. This is important. This is my will. I don't want to be ambiguous. This is your mission, right? Um, Bill Johnson said this uh, at a message. We happened to visit uh, Northern California about a month ago, and he said, my friendship with God can only go where his lordship has already been. My friendship with God can already go where his lordship has already been. What do I mean by that? Man, I appreciate the friendship of God. I, I spend a fair amount of time thinking about that God is my friend, that he cares about me, that he cares about where I lost my car keys, that he cares about, you know, if I have rice puddings in the fridge, um, whatever. You know, I mean, he cares about me, you know, he like, he, whatever. He cares about the little things, cares about the big things. And so there's a friendship there. And so friendship by default eliminates fear. Does that make sense? I'm not like, ooh, God, ooh. What are you telling me? You know, I don't walk in, in fear. I walk in friendship with God. Jesus in John 15 said, I haven't called you servants. I've called you friends. Because everything the Father has showed me, I want you in on. So there was a sense of eliminating kind of this sort of scary master and, and lowly, whatever. And, and God absolutely has broken down that, that, um, that fear and that kind of nature in that relationship. Having said that, I think that our friendship and his lordship are not enemies. I think that, that our friendship can actually fuel a respect and a worship of his lordship. And an example that I have about, I, okay, I've never been in the military. I deeply honor and respect those of you who, who have served. Um, but I was in a scouting program when I was 12. So I figured, you know, I have some knowledge about these things. <laughs> it was the Calvinist cadets, if you can imagine. And we had cool patches on our brown shirt where we would sew on, you know, camping badge, not tying badge, you know, fishing badge, you know, and, uh, and all that. But anyway, uh, here's what I think. You tell me later if you think this makes sense. Uh, if I know a general in the army, a commander, a chief of staff in the armed forces, and I have a personal relationship, 
And man, this person has invited me into their home and maybe we've played poker the, the night before a huge parade or, or we've had dinner together and sat on their back porch and just chatted and enjoyed each other's company. But then the next day comes and it's the parade. Maybe it's the inaugural parade, you know, for the president. And I'm one of the soldiers. Now, there's two ways to look at it. One is, if my friendship would demean the honor that this person is due, then I might be like at the parade, like, well, I don't have to stand at attention because I'm a friend of the commander. So how come you guys are all standing at attention? What's wrong with you? He's my buddy. Okay, that would be, you know, either or. Or my friendship and respect and relationship for the general, their courage, their integrity, their trustworthiness, their sacrifice, that causes me to want to stand at attention even more and want to be the first to salute and to be completely crisp and completely everything within me. Does that make sense? My relationship, my intimacy, my friendship actually fuels a level of honor that fear could never produce. Does that make sense? And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Guys, when I give a command as a king of kings, I'm not wanting you to be afraid of me and try to go do something. I'm wanting your love for me and our friendship to cause you to pay attention and go, as much as we love, yeah, that's right, he is a king. He doesn't all go around flaunting it all the time, but he is the king. And when he says, hey, this is important, go do it, I want to pay attention. I want to honor that. I want to obey that. So, does that make sense? Okay, so it is a command from the king. Um, while, while we're at that, um, I'm not going to take a long time on this, but if you look at some other versions and look at the Greek word, I'm not a Greek scholar, but the Greek word for go, a lot of times, you know, churches will establish their entire missions ministries on go, global outreach, G-O, see what I did there? Um, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The word that's actually used in the Greek is the middle, uh, the middle, what did I say? Sorry. The middle voice. There we go. Any grammar nerds in the room? Wow, not, okay, like three of us, okay. Um, the middle voice, here's what that means. That it's kind of like, it's not really always a direct command. Sometimes it's just like uh, something that happens as a result of something else. So really, in the Berean literal Bible, it reads this way. Therefore, having gone, or once you leave, disciple all nations, baptizing them, and so forth. Do you see that? The same word is used in Matthew 10, 7 and 8, where Jesus was sending out the 72 much earlier in his ministry. And he says it this way, verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message. Do you get the difference there? Why do I bring this up? I think sometimes the enemy has confused us into thinking to live on mission means to stop everything, to stop the business deal, Justin, to stop your family plans, to stop dating, to stop you know, your education and waiting for your OT certificate to get, you know, oh, and just transplant completely to some other part of the world and then you'll be serving God on mission. And God is saying, no, 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 guys, I never meant it that way. He said, as you go, guys, as you continue doing those things in your life, as you hang out with your circle of friends, as you get your education, as you go to school, as you go to the park, as you go to the hockey game, as you go to, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, Take that opportunity to go, God has planted me right here. And let me make disciples. Let me show Jesus to people and love people and see how God can. And guess what? Sometimes when we start there, God does sometimes then sort of like spark another step. Does that make sense? Sometimes I just take a step right here and then God's like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then I take another step 
and another step, and another step. And we had a family here called the Lindsay's. And man, I was part of their, some of you guys know them, Brian and Lori. And it was so fun to see their story because it started with a random missions trip to Peru. And it was kind of like, I mean, he's an engineer, you know, she's, I don't know what she did. Anyway, and all of a sudden, it's like over the course of several years, again, it started very like, just a little mission trip, no big deal, short term, one week, okay, right back to my life. And then it was like, I'm going to take my family next summer. So it was like a little bit more, and then right back, right, making disciples right here, living in Highlands Ranch by Rock Canyon High School. And then another thing, and another thing, and now they're like living in like Malaysia, and, or, you know, they're back now, but I mean, they've spent a whole season in their life living in Malaysia and making... So I was saying, when we give God a start right where we are as we go, that's what he's looking for, one step. If he wants to take it anywhere else, if he wants to show us anything else, he will. Maybe he won't, though. Maybe it's going to be right here for the rest of my life, but I can live on mission and make sense. Does that make sense? Okay, number two. Wait for it. Okay. Number two, God is inviting us into his story. God is inviting us into his story. Um, I am not a Lord of the Rings nerd. My son is. He's watched all the movies multiple times. He knows them all by heart. But I did watch at one point The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Ooh, I got some, you could see the faces like, yes, hallelujah. Tracking with you. Preach it, pastor, preach it. But in this movie, Bilbo Baggins is living in the Shire. Little grassy knolls, little round doors. You know, so cute. You know, little five foot. And he's there, and he's getting ready to, like, have dinner. And he hears a knock at the door. And he opens it, and there's, like, this dwarf with, like, huge, you know, four feet high, but, like, massive muscles and long hair and, like, a sword. And, you know, he's like, excuse me. And the dwarf is like, oh, am I late? And he's like, late to what? What are you doing? I don't even know who you are. Another knock at the door, another dwarf. Another knock, several more dwarves. All of a sudden, the house is filled with like 20 dwarves and ultimately Gandalf, who's the leader of them all. He's the big wizard or whatever. And all of a sudden, and Bilbo Baggins is just going, what in the world is going on here? Anybody willing to admit you're a sinner and you watch secular movies? Okay. Um, and Bilbo Baggins is wondering what's going on. But in the process of that night, as they're helping themselves to his pantry and big blocks of cheese and eating all of his food and whatever, he discovers that they're on a quest and they are going to, and I'm going to look at this, my notes. They're on a quest to reclaim the kingdom of Erebor. Did I say it correctly, Kyla? Okay, yes. Sorry, I, I said, I'm not, I don't know all the, I know this, hey, you don't mess with, you know, the people who know. Like, they will be on your, you know. They, it's a quest to reclaim the kingdom of Erebor. But there's this massive quest, this adventure, this story that he didn't know. He was just sitting at home one day, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I guess I'm part of this group, and we're going across Middle Earth to, like, save the world. But I believe that God is wanting us to understand that living on mission is the same way. A lot of us have experienced an encounter with Jesus, and we've come to know him as Savior, and we've been forgiven of our sin and given new life, and we know that heaven is waiting. But he's saying it's not just that. It's not just about you, Kyler, or Tyrone, you, or Titus, you know? It's not just about Tori. Like, I'm calling you into an adventure. I'm knocking at your door, and I'm saying, would you join me? Because this story is way bigger than you even understood. Yes, it's about saving you. Absolutely. I love you, but there's more. I want you to join me on this quest. God's inviting us into a quest. How do I know this? Okay, what about this? Would you believe me if I told you the entire Bible can be summed up in a two-part outline. 
Yeah? This is worth four years of Bible school, guys. So you're just saving yourself tens of thousands of dollars, hours and hours of classroom time. Are you ready? You want it? You want to hear it? Okay. I hope you remember this. This is, I'm serious. This is powerful. Genesis 1 through 11. Number one, Roman numeral. Genesis 1 through 11 is the big setup. Four global events. Creation, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel. Okay? Four big things that sort of like, whoa, wow, there's a lot going on. Okay. That's section one. Section two. Genesis 12 through Revelation 22. And that section of the Bible is about God choosing to reveal himself to every nation and every people on earth so they would know him and be able to worship him. That is the story of the Bible, okay? If you don't remember anything else from church today, that is the story. That is the story that God is saying, would you be part of my story? Somebody said, I'm not gonna say it was John Piper because I don't want any more amens from the front row. Somebody has said, it's not that the church of God, who's the church of God? We are. It's not that the church of God has a mission in the world. It's actually that the God of mission has a church in the world. Do you get the difference? It's not that we have some chore that we're supposed to do. It's that the God is passionate about his mission to have every people and every tribe and every nation come to know him and be able to worship him in their own way, with their music, with their food, with their clothing, in the way that he uniquely has created such variety and such glory and spread it all over the earth. He wants every one of those peoples and every one of those nations and tribes. You can read about it in Revelation chapter, whatever it is. Anyway, look it up, Google it. Talks all about it. I'm not lying. But that's God's mission. So it's not that the church of God has a mission, like, ah, I guess we better get to it. It's that the God of mission has a church in the world. And he's inviting us to say, man, I want you to be as passionate about this as I am. I want you to be as excited. It's supposed to be fun, guys. It's not some chore. Oh, I knew it was too good to be true. Okay, I'll get out there in the salt mines. No, it's sharing the love of our incredible God. It's sharing the joy of our salvation that David wrote about in Psalm 51. I think, well, I will pull up, pull up the picture of the car real quick. Does anybody know what this is? What? Sinners, I'll watch secular music. I mean, secular movies. I've never seen this vehicle before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what was this vehicle originally? Okay, you movie nerds out there. Second movie nerd uh, quiz here. What was this vehicle designed to do? What was that? Bam! Jump rivers to make bridges. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you for your Batman trivia knowledge. That's what it was originally in the movie. This is all fictitious. Give me some wiggle room creatively. Okay. But basically, here's what I believe. Revelation 19.10 says, wait a minute, let me find it. Hold on. Well, it says this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Towards the end of that verse. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And basically, here's why I put that up there. Because I believe that God is saying the more you hang out with a God who is passionately in love with his creation and wants them to know him and be able to worship him, the more we want to be a bridge builder. That vehicle was designed, so 
theoretically, in the world of you know, DC Comics, to jump bridges. But I want you to remember that because I believe there's something inside of us that's the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is based on the spirit within us, something within us saying, I want this other person to know how great my God is. I can't, I mean, I can, I, I'm an introvert, I'm an everybody, but something inside of me is saying, God, give me a word, give me a prayer to pray, give me an action to demonstrate, give me some way to, to, to help them understand how great you are, how much you love them. God's calling us to be bridge builders. And so he's doing this in our hearts and helping us, putting the foundations for us to be bridge builders. Just a couple of scriptures uh, about it. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we're talking about this outline of the Bible, 1 through 11, uh, 12 through uh, Revelation 22. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And get this, all peoples, all what? Peoples, all peoples, plural, different peoples, we're going to talk about it, on earth will be blessed through you. God's heart from the beginning, guys, it wasn't like in Matthew 28, Jesus was like, oh, oh no, what do we do about all the other people that aren't Jews? Ha, ah, uh, okay, go and make disciples of them too. No, God didn't have this afterthought at the end of Jesus' ministry. He has been from the very beginning saying, I want all peoples, all nations to be blessed through Abram and Sarai as God gave them the seed. And ultimately, Jesus ultimately was from the seed of Abraham and he was the ultimate fulfillment. But God is saying, I chose a family first, Whole another sermon we could preach about, wow, God's role of a family. But God started with a family, a couple, and began to show the nations his goodness through them. Then he sent his son, Jesus, showed us all how incredible he is. Now, guess who he sent? If you say it, you have to be part of it. Yes, us, his people, the body of Christ, his hands and feet. We are meant to be a blessing to the nations. What about this? Deuteronomy 4.6. I just want you guys, when you read the Old Testament from this point forward, I want you to begin to see the nations, the peoples. I want you to be able to see God's heart from way before Jesus said it in Matthew 28. Keep them and do them, speaking of the commandments, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding. Read this next line. One more time. In the sight of all the peoples. Can you hear God's heart in that? He's like, yes, I've given my chosen people my commandments, my law. You know, I've, I've shown them how to worship me, you know, pigeons and doves and this and rams and all that. But his heart was in the side. I want to bless you guys, but I want other nations and other peoples to be able to see it and go, wow, we want in. We want in on your God. Your God sure treats you nice compared to our gods that are manipulative, fear-based, asking us to sacrifice our children in the fire like Molech, so many other gods that are full of destruction and fear. And God wanted in the sight of the nations to show his goodness so that others would be like, we want in. And guess what God would answer would be? Come on in. I love you. My goodness is not just for the Jews. That's where I'm starting. That's my platform. That's my, but it's for you. It's for everyone. That's been my heart all along. Bonus Psalm 67. Read it. I'm not going to talk about it. But man, woo May the Lord bless us so that all nations... Anyway, don't even get me started. All right. It's all over, guys. Read the, read the Old Testament. 
and maybe even circle every time it says people's nations. Okay, so speaking of peoples and nations, I want to watch a two, uh, minute, 48 second video that explains a little bit, because when we think nation, we think Canada, Mexico, Honduras. In the word of God and in the Greek, peoples or nations means a little bit more and a little bit different than that. If you could play that video real quick. Okay, so, sorry, I didn't warn you. Kind of put your nerd cap on, right? A lot of UPG, UUPG, you know, CIA, FBI. Okay, but I hope, is that helpful a little bit to understand? Like, was that really confusing, or do you guys understand, like, people group, right? Shared language, shared history, shared customs. Why is that important? Very quickly, and I want to close very soon. Um, I believe that Jesus wants people to experience him not just in a generic sense with like an airplane flying by with like a banner behind it, like repent, say this prayer, or, you know, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. That's all that could fit on that banner. And I need your salvation, you know, waiting for the, th you know, God could do it a lot more efficiently than he's doing it. But he's choosing to go deep, deep cover. He wants to get in the fabric of each nation, of each culture and have someone that looks, smells, cooks, dresses, sings, experiences leisure like they do, reveal him to other people. So they don't go, oh, I've gotta be a affluent Caucasian Douglas County person to experience Jesus. Or I don't have to be a Mexican person from Guadalajara to experience, does that make sense? I, can, I don't have to like cross some huge divide in order to serve this God. No, I can be who I am. God loves our tribe. God loves our family. God loves our way of doing things. And he wants right here to establish his glory. So I hope that, I believe that God is calling us to understand how we can pray and begin to be a part of living on mission so that all of those unreached people groups or even unengaged people groups, we can begin to say, God, send us. Would you believe that only 3% of career missionaries go 
to the unreached, unengaged people groups. Most of the time, you know, and hey, listen, my parents were missionaries in Spain. I was born and raised there. They did a great work there. But there's a lot of churches already in Spain. There's Bible colleges. There's Bibles and, you know what I'm saying, discipleship materials in Spain. A lot of those other countries, no church, no believers that we know of, no Christian radio, nothing. And God's saying, hey, would you, would you pray with me? Would you care with me about those that haven't heard? And, and, and ask me how, what your tiny little sliver part might be in seeing my good news get to them. Last, and I'm going to literally blast through this, I believe that it's not only a direct order by the king, not only is Jesus inviting us into, into his story that matters to him, that's been throughout the Bible, but it's a team effort. Man, it's supposed to be fun. God's saying, you know what? Leslie, you're not responsible for accomplishing it all. Is that good news? Okay. Uh, is your name Leslie as well? Oh my gosh, wow. I'm literally, so like right now, I'm speaking to two Leslies, like just in a row. Wow, Leslie's, Leslie's plural, you're not responsible for accomplishing it all. <laughs> Lauren, it's not all on you. You don't have to carry that weight. Paul, it's not all on you. Bill, Linda, it's not all on you. We're a family, we're a team. God's saying, I want this to be fun. I want everybody to get in on this. And each of us have a part to play. We're all wired differently. Maybe you're saying, I can never imagine myself like, you know, being so bold as to ask somebody like, wow, so do you know Jesus? You know, kind of thing. Maybe you can bake cupcakes. And you go over with somebody who is a little bit more bold, and you're like, here, have a cupcake. <laughs> and then your partner in the family is like, hey, speaking of cupcakes, have you tasted the bread of life? <laughs> Okay, don't try that. That'd be a terrible idea. But, <laughs> but I'm just trying to say, maybe your gift is baking. Maybe your gift, you know, saying it doesn't have to be, all of us don't have, like, to have to be the evangelist with the big Thompson Chain reference Bible, like, I mean, you know, we all have a role to play, but God can use all of us together in groups, one, two, three, five, a house church collaborating, I don't know, whatever it might be, to begin to build a bridge so that his glory, his good news could get to the people that don't know him. Does that sound like fun? Okay. That's okay. I'm just looking at my notes. But um, good. So at this point, what we want to do is um, I'm going to give just a couple of minutes. If any of you uh, is currently involved in an outreach or in a ministry or in some way that you feel passionately is building a bridge and is part of living on mission, and that others might be able to join you in, I want to just give a quick opportunity, and then we're actually going to have three different, well, yeah, three different opportunities collectively that are additional on-ramps for you to pray about. So, uh, just a couple of minutes. Anybody have something that you're currently involved in that you're like, oh my gosh, I really feel the life of God is in this. I'd love it if somebody else had an opportunity to join me in this thing. Anybody? Crystal. It's, um, uh, we have just been supporting this ministry a lot, and um, I believe the Lord was just like, hey, you know, just extend the, the hand. But it's called Heroes Camp in Gary, Indiana. And they are in, you know, the poverty area. Most kids don't have both parents, if, if not any. And this family has been there for 20 plus years and we just support them in building a place for after school and before 
where kids can come and hear the word of the Lord, be fathered, be mothered. They teach them how to cook. They give them clothing. They, and, and it's not just basic clothing. They reach the generation where they're at, and they just had a huge drive um, buying a bunch of Nikes for the kids and just saying, this is your home. This is where you're at. And so if you're interested, it's just Heroes Camp. Wow, so good. Or talk to Crystal after service. Thank you for sharing that, Crystal. Heroes Camp, what a beautiful way to be on mission. Yes, Diane. I'm Diane at the Special Butterfly of the Family. But anyway, uh, we have an awesome house church, and um, it just is funny because it's, um, I can really see how it's an outreach to the community. Uh, we speak to, all we do is say, um, we talk to our neighbor, and we talk to another gal. We were in a discipleship training uh, group, and uh, these people want to come. And so last house church, uh, we've had our neighbor come and give his testimony uh, back a couple months ago. And then we had our friend come from discipleship training class, and she brought her two daughters last time. And uh, so I can really see how it's not only an outreach to our immediate family here at Shine, but it is an outreach to the community. And people love the idea. They love the idea of, on a smaller basis, getting to know people. Um, so I just want to let you know that it's, it's working. It's a great idea. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Praise God. Amen. Families, house churches can be effective. And if you're not yet a part, again, scan the QR code, get information on that. Love it. One more. Anybody? Up here. Robin. Hi, I'm Robin. Um, so we've been supporting a local ministry in the Springs called Mary's Home. It's through an organization called Dream Centers. And what they do is they, they bring women in off the streets uh, with their children that have either been in abusive situations or just down on their luck. And they bring them into this program where they, they grow them and they teach them and they teach them about Jesus. And then they help them learn how to teach the women coming in underneath them. They give them a place to live. They give them, you know, new pots and pans and things like that. They help them be able to get jobs and get back out and get on their feet. And as they do, they're just continually kind of mm. going up through the ranks in this program. And, um, and it's just been a huge blessing to be a part of that. Um, we actually got to go to a, an event this last week where we saw some women graduating from their program and now how they're speaking into the women's lives, coming in underneath them and encouraging those women. And so that's mm -hmm. been, a, it's been a, really, a really encouraging thing for us to be involved in. So good. Thank you for sharing that. I'm telling you guys, I know we could go on and on um, of different, life-giving opportunities and man if you've got something that god is is you're involved in and there's life in it i encourage you share it invite others into it again living on mission can be contagious and it can be something that just begins to snowball and i believe god's doing that uh here i'm going to transition uh and i want to because i want to respect your time uh and and allow uh for a couple of different folks from this family uh that god has been stirring to get involved in a practical way uh, in, and even help provide some opportunities for the rest of us to get involved uh, here. So uh, without further ado, Jennifer, are you here? Yes, you are. Welcome Jennifer Ontiveros as she shares what God's put in her heart about loving our community.
Hi, you guys. I'm Jen Ontiveros. We usually come on Saturdays, so some of you have probably never seen me because we don't make it on Sundays too often. Uh, but my family and I have been here at Shine for about a year now. And over the past, I'd say, seven years or so, I've been really interested in just learning more about outreach and getting involved in different ways and just kind of taking the steps that I feel the Lord is giving me. And most recently, I've been able to volunteer with a nonprofit um, it's a Christ-centered um, recovery ministry, and they have a community-based outreach focused on equipping churches and faith communities and um, just giving them tools, resources, and training to come alongside people who are struggling with addiction or life-controlling issues. Um, from that, there was someone on the team who um, recently launched a 90-day outreach project called Project Reach, and um, the mission of that was to just go out into North America and share the gospel and share the love of Jesus through various community outreach events. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to get involved in and bring to Castle Rock, but I just wasn't really um, clear on how to do that. They had a lot of projects listed, and nothing was really like seeming to be a good fit. It just Some of them seemed just a little bit overwhelming. So I just started praying about it, and I met with some people here at the church, and um, just the idea from that meeting was collaboration, and also that we could keep it very simple, that there are just very simple ways that things that we could do to share the love of Jesus with others and just be the light in the world. So from that came the idea of um, love your community, Castle Rock, which I want to say, too, this doesn't just have to be for Castle Rock. I mean, because I know every, a lot of people here come from other outlying areas. Um, so the thought behind it is just that we could all come together, collaborate as a team. Um, some of you I know are already doing incredible things outside the walls of this church, and maybe um, some of you have things that the Lord has placed on your heart, and you're just not sure how to put them into action. It's a person or an issue that you see in our community, and you're just wanting to act. And I just feel like this is an opportunity for all of us to come together to build upon our strengths, our unique giftings the Lord has given us. Or maybe some of us don't even know what those are yet, but as we come together, we can help to develop and recognize those in each other. So um, what this looks like is um, just really praying about it, just coming together and just acting on those promptings that you may have had from the Holy Spirit. And I, I think of the verse Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And I think what we can accomplish through collaboration and coming together is endless when we just ask God um, to give us eyes to see and just how to be the hands and feet in this world and community around us and just ask the Lord to lead us in love. And I just know that the Lord would honor that um, when we just seek the Holy Spirit and everything we do in our steps. So we are going to, and I want to say if you can't make it to the meeting or you have an idea, please feel free to just email at this email listed here. Um, but we are going to have, or if you just want to be on the communication list, um, just praying for us is huge. 
um, that's a huge contribution. I know everybody doesn't have time, so it, it's awesome if you could just keep in the loop of what we're doing. Um, we're going to have a meeting here at the church on Saturday, the 27th at 10 a.m., and um, we're just going to go from there, and as people have ideas or bring things to the team, we're hoping that we can just continue to do various projects or outreaches on a rolling basis. So we would love to have everybody get involved. Um, and I have some things in the back that are free. Um, there is a, I forgot to mention it last night, but there is a book that really inspired me, and it's called The Power of Proximity. And it's written by a pastor in Denver named Michelle Warren, and she found, her and her husband founded Open Door Ministries. Some of you may have heard of it. And I just love her book and would love to give you guys a free copy of that if you're interested. And I have also just some of these bracelets that say Love Your Community, Cast Rock. And you're just welcome to any of the tools and resources I have at my table or if you'd like to sign up. I have my sign-up sheet back there. Thanks, you guys. Also, I don't like speaking, so thanks for your patience with me. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Guys, we're so excited that God is just stirring and sparking. Oh, your phone. Oh, yes. I just want to talk to you about Love Your Community Castle Rock. So everybody, here you go. Thank you so much. Guys, it's part of what God's doing here. It's just, again, it's not a group of pastors coming up with all the ideas and coming up with the exact plan. It's God stirring in the body and saying, hey, even if you don't know exactly what it looks like, just take a first step and just ask me and pray and see what I'm going to, so we're excited about how God's going to just breathe on these things and empower them. Uh, at this time, I want to welcome up a second opportunity, uh, an on-ramp, and that is Mark and Shauna Marble with the Asylum Seeker Outreach. Come on up, give them a big, big hand, and I think they're going to welcome their special guest. Hi, I'm Shauna. This is Mark, and this is Denise from Chan, Colorado Hosting Asylum Network. And we had asked her if she would come and just speak real quickly about what she has been involved in, and then Mark and I will talk about um, how we feel like we're being prompted to go in this direction. First of all, um, I lived in Castle Rock for many years. My children went to the Academy Charter School when it was in this building. So it's really fun for me to see how it's grown and see how much your, your church is interested in serving their community. So um, we work with asylum seekers. Uh, we have about um, 6,000 on the docket here in Colorado. Um, most of those people are waiting in the community. Uh, approximately 1,500 are waiting in our detention center. Um, most people have somewhere to live, somebody to go to, friends, family, church, organization, whatever. But there is a, a, a significant group of people who really do have nowhere to go. They could be released from detention if they had somebody to go to, or they're living pretty close to the street, and they will never make it to their hearing for that reason. So what we do is we host asylum seekers in private homes, and like your pastor talked about, it's a team effort. Um, there's a host, there's a team coordinator, which makes sure everything gets done, and then there's a group of six to 10 people around them who do stuff like teach them how to use the self-checkout at the grocery store, or buy them a phone and pay for the, the plan, or um, help them practice interviews and write a resume, or open a bank account and get a Colorado ID. All kinds of things that help them get ready 
for when they move out of our homes to be successful in our community while they continue to wait for their final hearing. Um, so uh, we do have a, we have a training, we have a plan. Um, we've had about 15 teams that have been successful. All of our guests, except for one, have successfully gotten asylum, which is three times the rate <laughs> of normal. So it's a fun opportunity to accompany somebody, to hear their story, to literally take them from going on a road to detention, deportation, back to the countries they fled, and turn them around and give them a new life here in America. We serve people until about two or three months after they get their work permit. In those final months, we help them get a job, save money, and find a place to live and to get to their own apartment and then on with their own lives. What that looks like in real life, um, I was talking to Shauna about who we have in our house right now, but I've decided to go back and talk about my first guest because that was when we were trying to figure out how this works and what it was gonna be like. So we had a, a man move in with us from Jamaica. Um, being very careful, we respect our guests' right to tell their own stories, but briefly, he had watched a number of his friends be gruesomely murdered, and he had a scar across his own neck, too. He fled, he was in detention, he spent months in detention, moved around the United States, we petitioned for his release, he moved in with me. We had a great team. <laughs> he moved in the same month COVID hit, uh, March of 2020. And even in the middle of COVID, our team got him on his feet. He actually spent the first three months sleeping under his bed in my house because he was so deeply traumatized and he was still afraid he was being hunted. He knew he wasn't, but he was afraid. So our home became a place of healing for him. After about three months, he started getting out and learning to do things and getting ready for his own life. Um, uh, about 10 months after he moved in with us, he got his work permit and moved out and got to work with a job with RTD and started saving for his dream, which was to open a food truck selling Jamaican food. He has his money, he's got his licenses, he's got his eye on a truck, he is ready to go. His life radically changed from murder to a successful businessman in the United States. And all he needed was for somebody to give him a safe place to land, to heal, to figure out his new country, and learn how to <laughs> make a plan, learn how to be successful here. Okay, so I heard about this. So Shauna went and, and visited with, with Denise. And Shauna came home and she said, Mark, you're not going to believe these stories of these people who are here legally. They're trying to come and be legal citizens. You aren't talking about, you know, people swimming across rivers to come here. We're talking about real uh, legal people that want a new life, who have had incredible difficulty in their life. And so when we talked about it, we thought, well, let's do the hardest part of this whole thing. Let us open our home and let people live in it, and then we'll see if we can find some other people who will work with us on these other parts. So everyone repeat after me. Say, Mark and Shauna are going to let these people live in their house. 
Okay, so you don't have to, okay? You don't have to do this part. All you have to do is help drive them around to their appointments, help them with medical stuff, help them with legal stuff, help them with, with just little parts. I mean, you don't even have to be nice. You just have to get in your car and just drive over to our house and pick them up. I mean, you don't, so, I mean, some of them don't even speak English. So you don't have to talk to them. So, but we will, because we're gonna love people and we're gonna get on them. Listen, this is a cool adventure, all right? We're not signing up for life. We're only signing up for a few months. But I mean, holy cow, what an incredible opportunity for us as a group of people to be able to bless somebody's life. I'll let Sean say more. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I think we could be nice. But on the other side of that was, um, so after I met with Denise, I kept saying, or I think, I'll go back. You guys weren't here last night when I was talking. So a lot of that was our conversation. I would say, wait, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. And then she'd be like, yes, you've heard correctly. That, that is what happens. And so the thing that stood out for me was this four to six month mandatory waiting period from when they have petitioned for asylum, but they can't get their work permit. And I kept saying, well, what are they supposed to do? Like, I don't understand what they're supposed to do. She's like, well, they can't work. They can't get a house. They can't, all of these resources that you'd think we would have, they just aren't, they don't. They don't have those options. And as all good ideas do, it percolated, and I figured it would, you know, kind of flitter away. And I'd be like, yeah, maybe now is not the time. We talked maybe after the kids are out of the house. But it's one of those sticky things that um, I don't know if you have dreams. Like sometimes you have a dream and you wake up and you're like, that was interesting. And then sometimes you have a dream that's sticky and you're like, that was from God, so I'm supposed to pay attention. So this feels sticky to me. Like it keeps coming up and it keeps being, we keep revisiting it. And um, what has happened in our home is I'll walk around the house and I'll be like, okay, so there'd be people here now? Like, all right, like as we're doing things like at dinner, I'll be like, so they'd be at the table now? And I've just started to change the way I'm thinking of like, yeah, but where are they going to be if they're not at our table? Like I just started thinking, I'm like, okay, I've done this enough for a couple of months of being like, all right, they'd be in my house and that'd be weird and they might smell funny and they might not clean the way I do and they might not cook the way I do, but where are they if they're not at our house? And so then I take it a step further, and I, you know, I make it personal, and I think, what if I risked everything? I risked my family and my health and my safety and my finances to get somewhere, and I had nowhere to land. Or if my children, like if they were ever in a situation, where would I want them to land? And I'm like, I want them to land in my house, and I want them to land in this community because we can take care of people. We can do this, but we have to do it together. And I think that's the scary part, but it's also the thing that makes me feel like, Okay, if this really is what we're being called to do, then there will be people here who are going to say, oh, I did feel like there was something I was going to join in on. So if you guys are interested or if you're feeling like you could support in some way, we'll be at the back table and um, we can sign up and we can talk about it. The thing that was reassuring today talking with Denise is that they have an outline, but she said nobody has followed the outline. It's always changed to fit the person or the family that they're working with. So I was feeling like, okay, we have to have somebody to fit this and put everybody into each of these roles, but we don't have to do that. They don't even have to stay in our home. She was telling me this morning of a family of five, one of the sons is in a wheelchair, but this family, the community has decided to find them a place to live, and they're supporting them that way so that they are their own unit and they're able to make it through that way, but that didn't have to come into somebody's house. So Mark and I have decided we are willing to offer our home 
Um, that's scary. That's really scary for me. But it's also, like I said, I want to take that flip side of where would these people be if they're not in our house. But we're also open to having it look however we can. So we need about six to eight families or people who are willing to commit to a time frame. It's a chunk of time. This is probably too much, but we're like, could be a terrible idea. Like it could be, but it's a chunk of time and we're willing to try it. So I hope that, you know, it resonates with a few people. And also it doesn't have to be just our church body. So if you hear this and you think of an attorney that you know of that does these pro bono cases, there, there can be other people involved as well. So thank you for the time and hope you see you at the back table. Amen. All right. Wow. I love what God's doing. We're going to get you out of here in just a second. Um, I want to present one final opportunity. I'm not going to belabor it, uh, but some of you uh, are already being stirred by the opportunities that you're hearing or even the ones that were shared uh, earlier uh, from, from the floor, so to speak. Uh, but we do have one other ministry that we're beginning to build a relationship with. They're called Convoy of Hope. They're all over the world. They're extremely high rated in terms of their financial accountability. They partner with churches and just spreading uh, the love of Jesus, the message of the gospel in tangible ways uh, from Ukraine to you know the other continents and so forth. One of the things they offer is the opportunity to uh, pay for a child to be fed uh, every school day of the month for $10. And uh, they partner with local churches in different countries of the world, and it just is turning lives around. And so I wanted you to take a look at this uh, three-minute video real quick, and I'll uh, let you know how you can get involved, and we'll get you out of here. So take a look at this.
So again, just other opportunities, right? If you're interested, if the Lord's tugging on your heart uh, to become involved in that particular outreach, we've got packets like this. All you have to do is put your information, uh, your credit card information, and, uh, and we will be sending those uh, together. Do leave that portion. Pastor Dan is back there. Leave that portion on the table before you go uh, today, and that will go together and get sent in uh, to make a difference in that way. But our hope and prayer for you and for all of us is just that we just ask the Lord, Lord, what's my next step? What's my next step? So, Father, we just ask you, Lord, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that your eyes look to and fro throughout the whole world. And that, Lord, you are passionately committed to every nation, every people, every person, knowing how great you are, how much you love them, and coming into your family. Lord, we pray that you would use us. We, God, we say yes to you. We want to be on mission with you. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want your love to, to burn in our hearts and overflow, whether it be right here in Castle Rock or whether it be to the ends of the earth or all the above. God, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Bless your people, stir in us, direct us, and give us the grace to obey, to believe, and to celebrate together all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We've got Mark and Sean are going to be back there with Denise, uh, Jennifer also, Pastor Dan, the different opportunities. Go take a look, have some conversations, have a great rest of your weekend.